0: hey everyone early voting is underway and while the mayor's race and other city and county positions are the most popular ones on the ballot there are a lot of state constitutional amendments on the ballot as well to get you ready before you vote i'm bringing in houston landings tim carlin to talk about the propositions that will impact houstonians it's monday october 30th 2023 I'm Raheel Ramzanelli, and here's what Houston's talking about. Tim, welcome into CityCast Houston. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, same here. Look, I'm excited to learn a little bit about all these propositions. Now, there's 14 amendments to the Texas Constitution on the ballot, and some will impact Houstonians a little bit more than others. So we're not going to talk about all 14, but I do want to start with the biggest one that will impact homeowners here. And that's Proposition yes. 4. This is the one that's gotten most headlines. People are talking yes. about it. It caused a lot of issues um, in Austin as well. Tell me about it. Yeah, so
1: Proposition 4 is definitely a doozy. It's, it's pretty meaty, and it's also, it can be pretty confusing, um, so, basically, the gist of Proposition 4 is this is kind of the uh, back end of a lot of the legislation that happened um, earlier this summer. Mm-hmm. So, what this amendment would do is basically it provides some tax breaks to Texans. You know, that's been a, a, a promise from the governor. It's been in conversation for uh, a long time. How can we kind of lower people's property taxes? Some of the highest in the country in Texas Um, But the flip side of that is obviously we don't have an income tax, right? So this is kind of one of the only ways that the state can make money. Um, So what Proposition 4 would do is it would increase the homestead tax exemption for school districts across the state from $40,000 to $100,000. So that means that your school district, wherever you live, can now offer you more of a tax break to kind of help offset the amount of money that you're paying the flip side of that is that it, there are some kind of stop gaps built in for senior citizens as well as Texans with disabilities mm-hmm. so that they're not necessarily going to feel um, disproportionate impacts of paying higher taxes when they don't necessarily have uh, children in schools or things like
0: that gotcha
1: what it also does is if you have a um non-homestead property. So another property that you don't get a homestead tax exemption on, it institutes a temporary 20% cap on how much your appraised value can raise year over year. So it's kind of a, another means to help people who may be Aren't homeowners or business owners because now they feel like they may be getting taxed more now that homeowners are going to get a tax break. So this is kind of another incentive to say you're not going to feel disproportionate effects either.
0: Gotcha. Okay, so now I'm going to start asking you the questions that I'm sure every single person listening (laughs) is asking. All right, and you're going to be you're going to be my sounding board here, pretty much. Okay. All right, go for it. If we're not paying more taxes, how are schools going to get funded?
1: Exactly. So we keep hearing a lot about this budget surplus, right? You know, we have millions and millions in a budget surplus. And so finally, what happened is our lawmakers, they came together and they decided we we're going to take some of that money that's basically sitting in our budget surplus, and that money is going to go to school districts across the state. Okay. Um, so I believe it's around, I want to say, I believe it's like just over seven billion dollars um from our budget surplus is gonna go to school districts across the state to help offset what they're gonna lose in tax revenue.
0: Okay, so the homestead exemption goes up to a hundred thousand. And I saw that Texas Tribune said the average house, around three hundred forty thousand dollar house, would save about nine hundred and forty dollars on their property tax bill. So that's about eighty dollars a month, right? Is this enough for people to vote? Yes. Like, what are you hearing from some of the people who are talking to you about this?
1: For sure. You know, I think it's a case by case basis, really. I actually, you know, me and some other Houston landing reporters have been out at the polls trying to get some reactions from early voters this week. I've heard a lot of positive reception to proposition for, you know, I think people hear the words tax break and they're voting yes, regardless of how much money it may actually put back into their pockets. Um, they hear tax break and they hear money's going to be going towards schools. And I think that a lot of people, those are kind of um, trigger words for them to maybe vote yes. So I I don't foresee this not passing, but there's always a chance that I may eat my words come come November 7th.
0: Okay, so nothing in life is free, okay? And this is the (laughs) issue that I have with this proposition. What happens when we don't have a surplus of billions of dollars right this is the billion dollar question if we're raising the homestead exemption and this seems like a one-time deal right because we're not going to be getting a lot of federal money coming in what happens then
1: yeah that's the billion dollar question just like you said so you know a lot of people do feel like this maybe is just a temporary or kind of stopgap fix the budget surplus it's a lot right now but that could always change um one thing that this Proposition does is that it doesn't necessarily force a school district to raise its homestead exemption, it allows a school district to raise its homestead exemption, Mm. so they could always not raise it to the full 100,000. And then also, you have to remember that property taxes it's all a big calculation, right? So, you know, we could raise that exemption now but then if you raise somebody's uh tax rates they're going to make that money back that they lost
0: anyway. Okay, what about business owners? Do they stand to benefit from this at all?
1: A little bit. Um I kind of mentioned earlier that uh 20% appraisal cap is built in for non uh homestead properties, so business owners were kind of actually a bit concerned about this deal they said you know, our our year over year appraisal values are going up and up and up. Our taxes are getting higher. And if you offer more property tax breaks to homeowners, we're just going to feel that burden. Mm. So built into this proposition is actually an appraisal cap. It's temporary. I believe it's only for the next two or three years. And what that would do is it would prevent any property value that doesn't have a homestead exemption on it. So you know, like a commercial property or somebody's second home, things like that, their appraised value, which is goes into that calculation for how much you're gonna pay in taxes, that appraisal could not go up more than twenty percent in a given year. Which isn't, you know, you may say like that's still a huge increase and it is, but it's 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 more of a gap than than there is currently on the books to kind of help them out.
0: That makes sense, okay, tell me about the next proposition that you think will impact Houstonians
1: well there's one that would kind of impact all of Houston and that is um the energy fund the proposition seven. This one is a little tricky um, so these are a lot of these are statewide you know they're going to impact everyone in the state, but proposition seven I found interesting because it kind of it reads one way on the ballot, but if you kind of dig into the legislation, it kind of means something a little bit different. Um, So Proposition 7, basically, what it would do is that it would set up uh, the creation of the Texas Energy Fund. Um, And so, you know, people are like, oh, you know, our, our grid is kind of a mess. We need more money to go toward energy, right? But the caveat here is that this would only allow for funding for uh, natural gas and some, a little bit of oil. So it's not going toward any clean or renewable energy sources. It's only going toward non-renewable sources. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, you know, yes, we need to better fill out our grid, but it's a question now to voters of how do we want to do that? Do we want to invest in clean energy and renewable energy, or do we want to invest in natural gas, oil, things that we know are going to help us right now, but may kind of not be there in the future.
0: I found that one so interesting. I was talking to an energy expert about it, and basically Mm -hmm. he summed it up as, look, our grid, as you mentioned, is not that great. So instead of these generation companies funding and building new sources, so in case we do have issues, we have backups ready to go, They're like, Mm -hmm. why would we fund it when we can just get you, the consumer, to fund it, right? (laughs) This is way better. And of course, it's going to be on us, right? Like there's going to be a service fee that is eventually Mm -hmm. passed on to us or somehow we're going to pay for it. So that's how I look at Prop 7 is we don't want to put the investment in, but you guys can if this is important to you.
1: Yeah, it's kind of another, you know, you may see it as another uh Money coming out of Texans' pockets, uh, you know, it's kind of like mm, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what the voters think yep. for sure.
0: So, tell me about the teacher retirement system of Texas. They haven't seen an increase to the retired teachers' check since two thousand four. Now, there's a proposition that could help this, right?
1: Yes, there is. So, just like you said, um, there is a proposition that would basically give a cost of living adjustment, as well as um, some extra built-in raises to retired teachers across the state. That's actually Proposition 9. So what Prop 9 would do is that it would provide about $3.5 billion in bonus checks to teachers. And this would be the first time that they're going to see any type of pay increase, like you said, since 2004. So I've, I've also heard from a lot of voters uh, this week that they're kind of all in favor of this, Uh Again, it would take some of that money from our budget surplus and give it to uh, retired teachers across the
0: state. Nice. I know my second grade teacher is probably happy that I will be voting yes for this one. So I'm just going to (laughs) put that out there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There you go. I'm sure sure you're going to get a nice note from, from them.
0: Families have a lot going on.
1: Your work can take you all over the place. Like Texas, you've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com.
0: So me being an outdoors guy, I love our state parks. I love national parks as well, of course, but Proposition 14 is one that not a lot of people are talking about, but this could really impact our region in creating new state parks and yeah. and benefiting other parks as well. Tell me about Prop 14. Right. So
1: what Prop 14 does, like a couple other amendment or proposed amendments, excuse me, it establishes um, basically a new uh, fund, so a new place for us to put money. And what they're calling this is the Centennial Parks Conservation Fund. So this year, uh, the state park system of Texas is celebrating its 100th birthday. And so Governor Abbott, he's kind of been a big proponent of state parks. And one of kind of his talking points over the years has been that he wants to increase funding for our state park system. And this is basically a way for us to do that with some caveats. So this fund would be specifically for the creation and improvement of state parks. So this couldn't go toward necessarily, say, paying the salary or paying for like the cleanup of current state parks. It would be used to buy land and actually the kind of work that goes into then creating a new state park, like adding in trails, adding in services, things like that, and then to also provide improvements or updates to our current state parks.
0: That sounds really good. And I'm curious to see if that one's going to pass. And of course, follow along with everything on Houston Landing. So shout out to y'all. Y'all are doing some great coverage on what's going on right now with all of the propositions. I've got a couple more proposition questions for you, okay? Give me one that we should research before heading out. One that we haven't talked about that you think is important. Ooh. Mm.
1: There are some funny ones, you know? Like there are there are ones that you would kind of look at and maybe say, like, why am I voting on this, right? Mm-hmm. So, for example, there's um there's a proposition coming out of Galveston. One of my colleagues, Bria Lumpkins, she actually kind of put me on to this county treasurer in Galveston, and he basically ran for office saying, if you vote for me, I will make sure that this position no longer exists, which kind of was like, what? <laughs> so, basically, basically, what this ballot amendment would do is it would remove the position of Galveston County treasurer because people in Galveston, specifically the guy who's currently the treasurer thinks my job is unnecessary. We could have other people in County government basically doing what I do and saving us money. But then the caveat to that is (laughs) everyone in the state could vote in favor of this, right? Like this, everyone's like, yeah, we don't care about Galveston. We don't want them to have a County treasurer, whatever. But it would only pass if 50% plus 1 of voters in Galveston vote for it. So oh it's kind of gosh. like why am I why is this even on my ballot? So there's some there's some funny ones like that, but then there are also, you know, there's some there's some really interesting ones. There's an amendment to increase the uh, mandatory retirement age of judges, so you can read it one of two ways, right? It's either, you know, if you think that judges should be able to kind of Stay on the bench longer. You know, the argument there is we're living longer. Why not have people who have these years of experience kind of stay on the bench? You know, institutional knowledge that's kind of the argument in favor. Some people say "Mm, if you let people stay in judicial positions too long, maybe they'll have too much power. Checks and balances, there's some questions about that. So, that's another one that's kind of more really up to personal preference, you know, what you feel is best for our state and uh, local government.
0: Yeah, that one is Proposition 13. And then Prop 12 is the Galveston one, which is it Ron Swanson who put that in there? Because that's a total Ron (laughs) Swanson move right there, right? Like get in the government and then eliminate the position.
1: (laughs) Yes, eliminate the position. Exactly.
0: Okay, let's go to the city of Houston because Prop B is one that has a lot of people talking because of the unbalanced amount of votes that we get in the Houston-Galveston Area Council. Tell me about this one.
1: Yes, so this is an interesting one. Um, So the city of Houston Prop B, it basically, what it says is that if passed, the city of Houston would be required to try to go into negotiations with this Houston Galveston Area Council. So a lot of people don't even really know what HGAC is, right? So Houston Galveston Area Council, the best way that I can put it is kind of like it's a funding funnel. So a lot of times for big federal projects, interstate projects, things that will impact the entire region, not just one county or one city. A lot of federal money is funneled through HGAC and then doled out to specific projects, specific areas through through this council. Some people in Houston are upset because Houston, the city of Houston, and I believe Harris County, make up about half of the population of this entire regional council. But when you look at the voting structure of the council, we do not make up half of the votes. So the whole idea behind this proposition is that people feel as though we deserve to have proportional representation based on our population. But like everything, it's not as clear cut as some people may want it to be. So the problem is that HGAC is currently the way that Houston receives federal funding for a lot of projects. And if passed, we would have to enter into negotiations and try and get more proportional voting for the council. And if the council says, no, we don't want to do that. Or if we can't come to some sort of compromise within 60 days, Houston has to leave this council. Oh, wow. So that's, Yeah, so that kind of puts a lot of questions on the table and some questions that don't necessarily have answers yet. Um, The city attorney actually recently expressed a little bit of concern that if we were to leave HGAC, we wouldn't be able to receive these federal funds that we've kind of been getting for infrastructure improvements, different type of projects for the city and for the county but it's kind of not clear if that's actually the case. It's a big kind of governmental, political question mark. What would happen if we leave? Some people, some experts say it wouldn't really matter. We could just create maybe our own council for just Houston, Houston and Harris County, and we could just get federal funding that way. Other people feel like "Mm, it's not that simple. So there's a lot of question marks around this one that don't necessarily have, yes or no or clear-cut answers.
0: Yeah. Houston only has two representatives on the 37-member board of directors. Yeah. 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 And this, by the way, would, as you mentioned, just gives the right to negotiate more than anything. Mm -hmm. So there's no clear-cut answers. And that is wild to me. Finally, Harris County Hospital District Proposition A seems to be the most important one when it comes to Mm -hmm. the citizens. because look, it's going to provide us much needed renovations and rebuilds for our county hospitals. Tell me about this one briefly.
1: Yeah, so this is actually pretty huge. So this um, ballot proposition, this is the first time in Mm -hmm. the Harris Health System's entire history that they're asking us for more money. So it's a $2.5 billion bond. And I know that people are probably like seeing that and hearing that number and their eyes are like, like gouging out of their head. But when you put it in the context of Harris Health has never asked for money like this since it's founding in the 1960s, I believe. So we're going up on a pretty long time of them just making do with the money that they have. And so what this bond proposal would do is it would allow for the renovation and expansion of the LBJ hospital. And included in that expansion would be the creation of a level one trauma capable emergency room. Mm. And so that would be the only level one capable trauma center outside of the Texas Medical Center in Harris County. So it does provide some really kind of crucial health infrastructure updates. Along with that, it would provide for the county to build and improve the health system clinics that are across the county so people have more access to kind of that more urgent care type of health care it would also help provide some upgrades to bentob hospital as well nice. so just completely kind of overhauling harris health medical centers and kind of um i spoke to um the uh, president and ceo of harris health and he basically said like we're we're in dire straits right now, and this will help bring us into the 21st century. So,
0: oh, that is crazy, and the funding would be spread out over 10 years, I believe. So, this is very doable, right? So, that right. is another prop to look out for.
1: Yes, 100. It's um, it's a big price tag, but it is it's spread out over a 10 year plan, and uh, the hospital system is also putting up some of its own money. So, they're asking us to put up. 2.5 billion dollars because that's actually the uh, the limit that they're like allowed to ask of us but really this project is going to cost them over 3 billion dollars to complete so. Wow.
0: Tim, thank you so much for joining us and that was really informative. By the way, you can check all of Tim's work and learn more about all the propositions with the link in our show notes. Thank you, Tim. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. That was Tim Carlin, If you found that episode helpful, please send it to your friends and family so they can also be prepared before they head out to vote. Thank you. That will do it for today. Thank you for listening and I hope you learned something new.